Welcome to the Show Up Fitness Podcast, where great personal trainers are made. We are changing the fitness industry one qualified trainer at a time with our in-person and online personal training certification. If you want to become an elite personal trainer, head on over to showupfitness.com. Also, make sure to check out my book, How to Become a Successful Personal Trainer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great day and keep showing up. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to the Show Up Fitness Podcast. We are lucky to have our first real celebrity with Miss Yvette. She has been on Joe Rogan, and she is the queen of debunking chemical bullshit. And so thank you for taking your time today, showing up and talking about your expertise, which is toxicology. Toxicology, chemistry, quokkas, if that comes up. If you if you need a girl who knows things about marsupials, I'm here for you. But I I, I do like the debunking. I was uh, mainly a debunker for years. And then, uh, then I figured out it was very legally difficult to do that. Um, and so, you know, I changed my, I changed it. Um, I changed my focus a little bit, uh, but you know, the, the knowledge is still all up there. And occasionally I throw down a nutrition uh, article just because I like people yelling at me in the comments section. I enjoy that. I I do have that bit of masochism in there. You are a science hunkette and that's why your name is the science babe, because there's some people like out there who love to spread fear mongering stuff. So let's just put it out there on the first one. And Let's just talk a little bit about chemicals and what are they, and then dive into some stuff on pesticides, Roundup, diet sodas. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. These are a few of my favorite as I'm holding a Diet Coke. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, uh, my first, uh, let's see, so start with chemicals. So my, uh, my, my undergrad degrees, um, are, uh, you know, theater because, uh, daddy didn't love me enough, which is probably better than him loving me too much. Uh, and <laughs> chemistry because I wanted a career, uh, somehow this is what happened, which seems about appropriate for those combinations of degrees. And I have a master's in forensic science and I went off and worked as a, in various, uh, toxicology, uh, uh type gigs and various chemical analysis things. And it's always funny to me uh, when I hear people saying, um, you know, don't you shouldn't eat that. It has chemicals because as a chemist and, you know, different you'll you'll get different points of view from the on this from uh, from uh, different scientists, of course. But, you know, as a chemist, I look at everything in life as being a chemical because, you know, there are there are chemicals that are naturally occurring that are bad for you, like mercury, for instance. Uh, and there are chemicals that are synthetic that are completely fine. And I think that when someone says that's there, there are chemicals in that what they mean is that has a you know, that that's, you know, it's got a chemical that was invented in the lab and you know just because it came out of a lab there's no like your body can't tell and there are people who were like yes it can your body cannot tell if a if a chemical was plucked out of a plant or if a, a chemist synthesized it or purified it or or what because there's your 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 body just is not your your body's kind of a dumbass. Like it's not it's not sorting that shit out. I'm I'm sorry, it's just not. Um, but where uh, we do have a bit of a chemical phobia thing going on, and it's it's understandable to a point because people want to be cautious about what they do with their health. We don't we don't know what's the eventual thing that's going to make the le- the the wrong DNA break that's going to give us the tumor that that makes things go go down. So we want to be careful about that. It's understandable, but I think we have to be smart about how we're. 
careful, if that makes sense. We have to not do it with uh, out of fear, out of, oh, I can't pronounce it. It's bad. Um, you know, learn how to get a dictionary. Learn how to pronounce I like it. that because it's, it's unfortunate what people will do today. And I, someone used an analogy one time. I don't know who said it, but I liked it. Like if, the, if you're in a plane and a plane was going down, you wouldn't take a vote on who's going to fly the plane down. <laughs> That's the expert. Let them do their job. You sit back and you go, you know, be a rock star. Why don't we do that with movement? Why don't we do that with nutrition and science? And and unfortunately, people don't understand that because it's fucking hard. You go to high school, you think about some of the hardest classes. It was math. It was chemistry. And so if you don't go in that arena, then you're like, well, it's scary. So if I don't understand it, it must be bad. So then there's so many charlatans out there who will put on a facade and they're going to say like, oh, the reason why you're fat or you're unhealthy or sick or your gut health, it's because of the aspartame in the diet soda. I feel like I feel like you're you're baiting me with mentioning the diet soda. But it's, you um, you bring up uh, so many uh, good points through uh, uh, through the whole um, through, through that rant. And it's just. Uh, I don't even know where to start on uh, on that, but uh, with uh, you know, I think people look at one ingredient uh, in something like diet soda and go, ah, that's it. That's the thing that's making me fat. That's the thing that's stopping me from being able to hit my health goals or being able to or make or lose weight. And like I'm about a hundred pounds down from my highest weight, uh, and weight loss it's it's not easy. Like there's no, um, it's. Yeah, like I, I think that there is um that there like when people ask me how I lost weight, um, and I tell them uh depression and grief, uh, they don't they don't always love that answer. Uh they want to hear that I cut out this one simple ingredient that made it all possible. And gosh, I wish I could tell them that. Like right now I'm I'm jokingly running an experiment uh because the one there is one food that I cannot keep myself away from and it's peanut butter. Like midnight hits and I'm like, I need as much peanut butter as physically possible piled onto a piece of toast uh and just just down down the gullet and i'm, I'm joking to quote jokingly running an experiment this month to see if i just keep myself away from peanut butter how much weight i can lose and the, the punchline is not much because uh, i don't have much weight to there's nothing you can scrape off me at this point but still i've lost a few pounds and i'm like i'm gonna write an article upon it and just be like here's the one food you need to cut out of your diet to lose and i'm i worry that people are going to be like ah yes yeah, so i just need to cut up that's not the point the point is it's a silly thing to say you need to avoid this food because now i've been able to uh, maintain uh you know the weight that i've lost over a long period of time kind of slowly adjusting my diet uh to where to the weight that i want to stay at um and you know it's like i would lose 15 pounds gain five kind of figure out okay how much do i need to eat to maintain this weight all right i want to be a little smaller and be a little and like you know i'm at a point where i'm i'm happy and i'm i'm at a good weight for uh for my height and everything and i think People look at at weight loss as something that is so impossible because it is really difficult. It is really um, like it might be a simple math equation, but it's not easy uh, to manage. And they're they're looking for an answer. So you get these charlatans, you get these gurus who are like, I've got an answer. It's the chemicals. It's the diet coke. It's the aspartame. You're having you have a thing in the aspartame that's that's kicking the hamster in your brain. That's gonna tell it to hit a marble. That's gonna go down the chute to your pancreas. It's gonna say, "Give it all the insulin you've got, Captain," mm-hmm. and it's gonna make your it's gonna make your body grab onto fat that's not even there, and that's what's doing it to you. And that's just not how bodies work, and it's not how aspartame works either. 
then what people do is there's a study that's released and they don't realize that the study was giving rats the equivalent of like 50, 60 diet sodas. And then we say stuff from- Which is my goal every day. (laughs) Yeah. And then you get people who will have the credentials. I'm an MD and they're going to say, well, aspartame will trick your body into thinking it's sugar. Therefore, it's going to be producing insulin from the pancreas. And you're just like, the body in certain ways is dumb, but the body is also really, really incredibly smart. And it knows the difference between, oh, this is actually glucose. There's going to be a response versus this isn't glucose. You can't have low blood sugar and be like, you know what? Here's my water. I'm going to pretend like it's sugar. I'm going to drink this. And all of a sudden I'm going to have a spike in my blood sugar levels because I think it is. Yeah. Like ask, uh, ask a diabetic if they can, cause cinnamon, uh, tastes sweet. I have a couple of teas that have cinnamon in them. If I, and like when I first tasted them, I'm like, is there, is there sweetness? Is there artificial sweetness? So what's in this? And it's like, no, just cinnamon. Uh, and nobody thinks that having cinnamon is going to you know, make their pancreas release insulin, but gosh, darned it. You tell someone that has uh, a bit of aspartame, a bit of sucralose, uh, one of the non-nutritive sweeteners in there. Uh, and they're like, oh man, this is definitely going to make my pancreas do some weird stuff. But like, here's the thing, just because something gives your your mouth, your tongue, a chemical signal of sweetness, uh, that and that's how your brain interprets it, does not mean your pancreas does the same thing. And I think that we have this conflation, and it's because we have all of these studies saying, ah, people uh, in populations where they are, uh, we're where people are consuming more diet soda, they tend to be heavier. It's like, well, that's a correlation because we haven't interviewed people who are like, have we asked people about their peanut butter consumption? <laughs> like, have we asked, you know, what's, are you having, what are you having along with the diet soda? Like, is the diet soda uh, uh, something you're having along with uh, a Big Mac meal, which is a thing that I used to do. Like there's, there are so many other factors, um, along with the diet soda. And one thing gets blamed, uh, because it's an easy thing to say, ah, ah, so that I'm like, you know, I, I, I think that that's not the, uh, the big thing that you need to worry about in your diet. Um, if you're, if you're not looking at the overall caloric load and people are not, I mean, myself included, uh, when I was much heavier, um, I, I'm pretty sure I was undercounting the calories. I'm pretty sure that was a big problem. It Mm -hmm. wasn't so much the diet soda. It was a lot more, uh, you know, the calories. Calories in, calories out. It works every single time, but people don't like hearing that. And I think it's because it, it, I I think hearing that says to a person, it's your bad, it's your responsibility, or it's your fault. And I think people don't want to hear that they're, I I, I mean, like, this is, you know, me too, hearing that, you know, uh, hearing, quote, you're at fault or having that impression from it is not what people want to hear. And look, it's not, quote, it's not your fault. It's how humans are. We're designed to get as many calories as we can. Like, that's what all these years of evolution, or I don't know if designed is the right word, but, you know, all these years of evolution to try to scavenge uh, calories to survive before uh, agriculture, living in a time of plenty is not uh, what we evolved to do. So mm-hmm. having all these living in this calorie rich environment, it really isn't our faults when we're like, yes, of course I should, I should scavenge. I don't know when the wasteland is coming. Like this is, it's kind of, it's surprising when anyone is able to resist in, mm-hmm. in my, in, in my unprofessional. No, that's hundred percent fair. It's your environmental factors. And if yeah. you're bored and you're watching Netflix, you know, your brain isn't going to go, go to sleep. It's going to go, oh, they're eating a burger. They're okay. What am I going to eat right now? Am I going to go have some grapes? No, I'm going to go have some ice cream. I'm going to have something that has a lot of calories because it tastes good. 
And then I'm upset with myself. I'm stressing a lot. There's just so many factors that go into it. And it's easy just to point a finger. But the what's really fascinates me is if we were to transition and talk about the, the fear behind, we were talking about earlier with Roundup. And I thought that was an interesting one to go down because people always point a finger and be like, oh, well, you must work for Monsanto. It's it, we're not saying that go, you know, Monsanto's great, Monsanto's bad. We're just saying that Monsanto doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's right, huh? <laughs> it's, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bought by Bayer, the same. But you know what? Like, here's the thing. I I think a lot of people, uh, and as we discussed before we got on here, I, I think people think that there was there were no pesticides. Like, there's and pesticide is the and I used to I I was a pesticide analyst, uh, and I promise you, pesticides are analyzed uh for safety for for how long it takes for them to break down i wasn't just watching porn all day just thursdays uh but like that's uh that's the thing like they are analyzed very carefully very you know if they are breaking down they don't make it to market trust me i saw a few of them breaking down we're like this is not this goes back to the cutting room floor um but you know things are they're analyzed uh there's long before roundup there were super toxic pesticides. Then there were slightly less toxic pesticides. Then we're like, they're like, oh, we had this other. And pesticide is the blanket term uh, for herbicides, for insecticides, for rodenticides. Like that's it's a blanket term for anything that is going to kill something that's gonna that's that's fucking up your day, that's messing up your garden, that's that's run into your kitchen. You know, like people don't realize that organics are also in that umbrella. And oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what really pisses people off. People got really angry a few years ago about uh, a BT toxin. The uh, that was uh, we had crops that were genetically modified to have that in there. And BT was is actually an organic uh, pesticide um, because it's just a naturally occurring uh, bacteria that uh, that would be sprayed on the crops. And having these uh, crops uh, genetically modified to have it naturally occurring. It made it cost farmers less. It involved less spraying. It was better for farmers, better for and I mean it's here's the thing. It's a it's a bacteria that's bad for pests, harmless to humans. And mm-hmm. it was going to be sprayed on them anyway. So I mean it's but I I think people think that there was there was nothing for pesticides. And then one day, out of nowhere, came Monsanto <laughs> to spray all these pesticides for profit only and not not in any way to help to help farmers avoid complete crop failure and to make sure that you have food and there's and i I get it there's a lot of fear mongering about it i get it that we want to make sure that any chemical like and not all chemicals are created equal like i get it that we want to make sure that if a chemical passes through our lips that it's it's a safe one that we're only getting it in an amount that's that's uh safe for us that's gonna that's not gonna break the last strand of dna that leads to the cancer you know Mm -hmm. but we but looking at Roundup and going, ah, it's a chemical, it's a pesticide, it's bad for, you know, it's it's bad for weeds. But I I don't I don't think anyone out there listening to this is a weed, mm-hmm. so it's probably not too bad for you. It also, like I said, replaced a much more toxic herbicide. So that's, what that's do the we process, do? right? Yeah, like we're we're slowly getting better at things all the time, and I I think that just because it's been conflated to be they had to genetically modify the seed in order to well, use this. That's another this lovely one. word, like, right? <laughs> it's like yeah, I mean yes, they did have to like it does work with genetically modified seeds, but uh, that doesn't mean that like. They haven't found after studies upon studies upon studies, they've yet to find any evidence that these that the genetically modified crops are bad for anyone. Like the one study that was like, look at these at these rats with tumors. That was from a strain of lab rat that was known to get tumors after uh, after a certain period of time. Like they were prone to tumors. No studies have been able to replicate it. Um 
they haven't shown any studies that in the amount that you will encounter Roundup in your food uh, that, I mean, yes, there are trace amounts of herbicides that I would prefer there not to be just because, you know, any any amount of uh, extra whatever the fuck in your food, well, you'd rather not be there. But at the amount you're going to encounter it, uh, again, you would be encountering a much more toxic pesticide if it wasn't Roundup. Uh, and uh, it's there. there's yet to be any evidence shown that this is causing, and I, I get it, a guy won a lawsuit. A lawsuit is not evidence of cancer. They haven't, or it's not evidence that it was the cause of it. It's evidence that a jury awarded the man money. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I understand the concern. I also, um, and again, I've never, I've not, I, I know that there are rumors online that I have been paid by Monsanto. I have not <laughs> received a penny. I never, while well, easy one, I never like you were talking about earlier, though, it's, it's easy to try to find it. It's like, okay, like you're saying, when you're on Joe Rogan, people would attack you and they said, well, how can we listen to her? Because what would they say? Because uh, I was, because at the time I weighed about 50 pounds more because I I lost a bunch of weight and I gained some of it back. And I was, uh, I was about 200 pounds at that point. Um, and people, I had written an article about chiropractic, which is how like so it just came across Joe Rogan's timeline. He retweeted it. Um, and I just, you know, thanks for tweeting my article, Joe, into my DMs, Joe Rogan slides. And he's like, would you like to come on the podcast? And I'm like, motherfucker. Yes, I would. Um, <laughs> and I've never gotten so much hate mail in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be, I would have gotten that anyway without going on Rogan because people are very, uh, they're protective of their chiropractor. They're like, but my chiropractor caught a thing that my doctor didn't. I'm yeah. like, did they catch it What's or did episode? they try to sell you a It's a great one. It's a great article, but it's even a better episode. Thank you. I, mm-hmm. I still get, like, even this year, a new chiropractor wrote a fucking hate website dedicated to me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> love notes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's amazing to me that people are still uh, mad about that article. I'm like, die mad go ahead die mad uh but people tried to say and this happens with my this happened with my nutrition articles it happened with my anything i write about health they're like how can we listen to her she's fat mm-hmm. you know i'm a size four now and i stand by everything i ever fucking wrote about nutrition so <laughs> these people can because that's the thing is lane norton says it beautifully there's no it's science over feelings and i think oh, people need to be a little more maybe understanding in the fact that just because you don't understand it, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And like there was, I've I've even, you know, as an ignorant college student, I've said dumb things like if I will blame a girl at the time dating, but you shouldn't be, you shouldn't pronounce something that you can't uh, pronounce. And if if the ingredient list has more than your thumb, Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's, that was ignorant at the time. I didn't realize I was being an idiot, but then as you learn, you surround yourself with great people. You're able to grow. It's like when, and the thing that kind of like the, my my superhero, supervillain, whoever you're, depends on who you ask. My 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 the Psy Babe origin story. I got a headache one day that never went away. Um, and you know, for the first few years, of course, you know, doctors said everything from, uh, you know, like you know, maybe it's all in your head. I'm like, oh, you went to med school to figure out where headaches happen. Good job. Uh, to you know, like it's uh to you know to various uh you know one doctor told me i should maybe see an acupuncturist to try to move the energy around it i needed medicine uh but like i you know while we were trying to figure out what was wrong i went through all these different bloggers that were like you know just cut out gmos the problem is the food and like i fell for all of it it was because i was sick and desperate and that's why i say i understand the concern i have so been there like when your left side of your face feels like you're being stabbed by a knife that is on 
fire constantly, you're like, yeah, I'll try anything. Just t- tell me what to cut out of my diet. Tell me what exercise program to do. Tell me. What to-. And like when people are, are suffering from some ailment that they don't understand when they can't figure out what's wrong with them, or when they're like, I just want this weight off and I can't get, tell me what's wrong with the food. Tell me what I have to do. Uh, and they'll they'll fall for, or I don't want to say fall for, but they'll be convinced of things a little bit more easily than they would if they weren't at a point of desperation. And I fell for a lot of it. Um, and then I started, and and you know, at some point when my headaches got better managed, it was like, oh, I can have non-organic, <laughs> I, I can eat from the non-organic section, and it's not going to make my headaches come flying back. Uh, and I got angry at all these people that were. Uh, that, that were giving me this line of, you know, these things are killing you um, when they when they were in fact not when I could, um, you know, just learn to pronounce something and eat it. Um, and so I here's the thing. I was one of those people that was like, you know, if you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. I'm like, I'm a chemist. I already had a master's degree when this happened. How did that happen? <laughs> so, you know, it can happen. It can happen to the best of us. It can happen. It, it happens to anyone who's at a point of desperation in their life. Um, so, so I'm asking people, please don't act out of desperation, uh, act from a place of, of, of knowledge, find someone who's an expert or expert than you. Um, and, and, and yeah. It was really fascinating. I was at a podcast the other day with uh, a physio from Canada and he was going over low back pain and how, Studies have shown that low back pain will typically go away by themselves within six weeks. And so you could literally be walking a Doberman pincher on that sixth week and your low back pain goes away and you'd be like, oh my God, it's because of the dog. That's what I need to start doing. And could you imagine a practice? Like if you have low back pain, you have to start walking Doberman pinchers. No, that'd be fucking stupid. No one would ever do it. It's just science is, there's a lot of ambiguity to it sometimes. And we're trying to get better and we, and I'm not a scientist, you're a scientist, but there are bad scientists out there, unfortunately. And those are the ones that people then point to and say, all scientists are bad. And I think it's tough. And there were, uh, and this made me a little sad. This was on, uh, I mean, this is all over the internet right now, but I saw a Tim Caulfield who I, I, uh, respect quite a bit. He's, he's not a scientist, but he's, you know, he writes about science quite a bit. Um, he, uh, posted an article, I think that was in nature showing that there were over 10,000 science articles retracted last year, which is, uh, a new record. I, I don't know if it's a new record, but far above and beyond what was retracted the year before. And I, I said, I'm like, this is the kind of thing that makes me people not trust science. And it's, you know, it's, I don't, I don't think that most of those articles were put out there by unscrupulous scientists. I don't think that they were published by people trying to get, you know, trying to, let's sneak in some weird stuff in here. Let's Mm -hmm. get, let's get one by, let's try to, I think that there is a publisher parish model in science. I think that people are trying to get funding for their next thing. And so errors go by. I think that a lot of the things that go in are, uh, they're not, there's no attempt at replication because it's not necessary to get uh, a, a uh, to get a study published. And people are like, oh, that's, you know, that's a, that is a sexy study you've got there. You found something new and fascinating. And then as soon as someone tries to replicate, they're like, here are all your math errors, please fix. And they get yanked. And this makes people um, who uh, who you and I hope are are going to uh, to see you know see the light and and look at things and go ah you know science is a thing it's real there are people doing good work these kinds of things where ten thousand studies get retracted in a year these make people look at all scientists and go 
but how can I trust you? How can, uh, it's, I said to you before the podcast, you know, disinformation campaigns are so often not uh, to, to make people say, uh, here are the experts you can trust, but to make people not trust anyone. So mm-hmm. when we see 10,000 studies uh, retracted, it makes people go, I can't trust any of these scientists, oh. but I do feel like I can trust this blogger, the food bank. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, what so, about how many, how many articles went through and how many are, uh, are you revolutionary? Exactly. And yeah, I, know there, I don't know the name of it, but I believe there isn't there such thing as like it's kind of like the what's the award in in acting? It's like the worst actor awards or something like that, right? And the Razzies. The Razzies. There's an award like yeah. that in science, right? That was a really dumb study, and they, oh, there's an the, award the for the Ig Nobel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so there, there are some studies that are just fucking stupid. And so they're like, okay, let's just take that out. <laughs> yeah. It's, and the funny, and the other thing is there are studies that at first glance seem stupid and people are like, well, and you know, you'll see a member of Congress uh, be like, why are we funding this thing about the mantis shrimp? It's like, well, um, if you actually look at the reason behind it, we're using the study on the mantis shrimp to learn how this thing that, that punches that at, you know, faster than the speed of sound uh, can be used in our, in our tanks. Like it's, it's mm. very true. It's have a look at the thing about, is it the mantis shrimp or am I mixing up my, anyways, there's a fascinating shit about uh, tiny little shrimps that can see in 17 uh, uh, rays of colors that we cannot. And it's ability to punch super fucking fast. It'll break your finger. I think everyone could do better and we would improve society if you had a scientist in your community, someone who you can go to and ask them specifically. I always like to, you know, make fun of people and, you know, spoiled Santa Monica and they say, oh, chemicals on the food. I said, have you ever been to a farm? No, but I I read this. I said, have you talked to a farmer? Wouldn't you want to go, as they say, pun intended, to the horse's mouth and see? Because maybe there are, and that now that's the beauty, but also that's the toxicity of social media. There are some farmers out there that are starting to get uh, some good publicity, but we focus too much on the dipshits who have millions of followers and they're spreading oh, yeah. their chakras and and you got to align everything to, to cure everything. And it's unfortunate, but there is a voice that is starting to come up and we just need to use our critical thought a little bit more and and surround yourself with good people. Where you, you know, I've texted you numerous times like, is there a legitimacy to this? And then you get back to me and then I can dissect it with my own critical thought. And sometimes it's yes. And sometimes it's no. And it's like, I think being open to either answer is the key. And there was, uh, there, there's uh, a wizened old skeptic uh, that I, that I love uh, from Australia. His name is Richard Saunders. And we were, it's, it's, you know, sometimes you meet people and you just look into each other's eyes and go, I'll see you. You're one of my humans now. And he said to me more, the first time we were out to lunch uh, when he was uh, visiting, it's, uh, for Australia for a, one of one of many skeptic trips. Like he said to me, he's like, you and I have, have a gift. And I'm like, I'm like, is he about to say something very wooey or or is it like what's gonna what's gonna gonna come out of his mouth here? And he said to me, he's like, it's it's the ability to understand that we can be wrong. And I just fucked up his accent. But knowing that at any time you can be wrong. That you're that the knowledge that was planted there when you were a kid, that thing that your older sibling uh, told you that you didn't that just was has been stuck in there since you were seven, or the thing that you learned in college has changed, or the article you read online two weeks ago is is going to be retracted eventually. Knowing that you need to change your mind. That's that's a it's. I know it's weird to call it a gift, but man. After having enough arguments online, you realize it kind of is a gift. And I, I hope that someone out there listening will go, I'm going to take that gift. I'm going to I'm going to start to 
to to loosen up my grip on all the on some of my bits of knowledge because maybe some of them maybe some of these bits of knowledge are is it's not knowledge it's it's false it's these are things that I have in my head it's not all true um, and that's and that's perfectly fine we all have things in there that I I still have things bouncing up there that I don't know to this day uh, is wrong until I stumble across the thing that corrects it. I went to a physical therapy office today and a lot of the modalities that they were using were not up to date. And I took some photos, sent it to another you know, therapist professor who I know, and it basically confirmed. I didn't go online and be like, all physical therapists are fucking idiots and they should be shut down and I'm going to start this campaign. It's like, okay, I leave and I go, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client, you want to go to a therapist? Go to this person over here. I'm just not going to suggest that one. And unfortunately today with the freedom of speech people will use is they will take one incident and they will just try to blow it up. You said it earlier, you said that you went to a doctor and they they gave you a bad recommendation and you didn't go start a, you know, a, a witch hunt to go kill all doctors. You just go and find the solution. Yet. Going on. <laughs> Yet. Mm-hmm. No, it's, I, no, I mean, I think that it, I think it's very tempting when people have, and I mean, this happens, uh, I, like this is just statistically it's going to happen more so with uh, women than with men. It's going to happen more so if you're fat than if you're skinny. People are written off uh, when they have health complaints. You go into a doctor and you've got a broken tailbone uh, or, you know, or you've got a whatever the fuck is wrong with you. If you are like the, the closer you are to standard issue, uh, you know, five foot, nine hundred fifty pound uh, dude in America, uh, like and the further you deviate from that, like you're it's you're going to get you're you're less and less likely to get the scans uh you need so like when i was bigger the first one of the first doctors that i saw when my headache started uh literally said to me cut down on the caffeine and uh and and uh, exercise more before issuing me any medication before doing didn't run a scan nothing just you know cut down the caffeine exercise more i'm like i'm telling you i feel like i'm being stabbed in the face by a knife that's on fire and that's your response like i don't know how i'm gonna drive home tonight like what what the hell and it was uh uh, like, and that's kind of like, I was a hundred pounds heavier than I am right now at the time. And like, that's not an isolated incident for people who are, who are bigger. Like that's kind of more of the rule and the exception. Like, will my doctor believe me that this thing's going on? Will, uh, you know, and they're having, and you're having a lot of different symptoms that aren't necessarily related to weight. Like, yes, weight can impact, uh, a lot of different conditions that aren't necessarily caused by being overweight. Uh, but man, sometimes you need a doctor to listen to you that you're sick. And they're if they're not listening, you're going to go to a doctor that their best skill is listening because they don't have any science behind them. They're going to go to a naturopath. They're going to go uh, to you know they're going to they're going to look into alternative medicine. And the biggest thing that alternative medicine providers have to offer is that they are they're going to have a gent they're going to have a, a gentle ear. They're going to say, "I'll listen to you," where uh, a, a mainstream medicine provider did not. And they're they're going to have a good, hopefully, a good bedside manner because they don't have science. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. and it's it's unfortunate that out of uh, med- mainstream medicine's failures has come. And when I say failures, I mean you know failures to really address a patient's problems. Um, you know, like has come a. a cottage industry of bullshit of Mm -hmm. utter fuckery and it's Mm -hmm. it's you know it's a disservice to like mainstream medicine does a disservice to their patients when they don't listen to them uh with the you know with their problems when they come like this so i i hope that um i i it's 
it sucks when you have to tell people, hey, advocate for yourself harder. It's like, you shouldn't have to advocate for yourself so hard. Mm-hmm. Like, you shouldn't have to push a doctor so hard to be like, no, please run a test um, in order for them to not believe that science is bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's difficult. Like, I've, I've been there, and I just hope that people will, will, you know, give science a bit more of a chance, if it's, even if, you know, mainstream medicine, even if science seems to have failed them. I promise you, science is back there waiting for you. It's just... You know, it, it needs a bit of a glow up. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of that great movie back, I think it was in the 90s, but Patch Adams. It was a really good one with yes. Robin Williams. And it's like, yeah, mm. need more of that. But unfortunately, it is where we are today. And, you know, if you do link up with the right people, we can continue to help. And, you know, what, what would be the last little closing words you have for someone who is skeptical or maybe they've heard from people about all these big, bad chemicals? You shouldn't have this because these hormones are in this milk or whatever. What would be the the low hanging fruit that they could take away that they don't need to be as scared as maybe social media or the media projects it to be. You know, there's, it's easy to get scared when we don't know about something and it's easy to take knowledge from a place that's presenting itself as, you know, having a veneer of knowledge, but I I hope that you'll give, um, you'll, you'll, Take a t- a, before uh, taking in a new bit of something that's telling you to be scared, uh, before you really look through, uh, you know, that b- before you really look through what's happening, uh, take a breath, have a look at, at, you know, what the scientists, what the people who are experts in it, what the farmers are saying about how the food is grown, what the, the you know, what an analytical chemist is saying about if they actually analyze the pesticides and not just watching porn all week, uh, you know, have a look at what the experts in the field are saying and not just somebody who's out to criticize the existence of it because we are living longer healthier lives than ever before in history and i i know that there's someone who's who will always say we're living longer lives but are they healthy yes they are like those longer lives are very like the it's yes we're on medications later in life because we it's because we're living 30 extra years than we were a century ago these things are all important so yes no, nobody wants to be taking medications, but, you know, look into if you're taking the right dose, the right, uh, you know, for, for uh, your health, for your, uh, for your condition. Nobody wants to have uh, chemicals that they don't understand uh, in their diet, but gain understanding instead of avoiding everything uh, that sounds a little scary at first. So don't uh, try to uh, try to live your life uh, by finding more knowledge instead of, uh, in, instead of uh, living under a shroud out of fear because I promise you it's going to open up a lot more things for you. It's going to help make nutrition and make make so many more things that have been uh, a little out of grasp and seem so uh, uh, nebulous uh, and and just outside of understanding uh, come come clearer into focus. And it's going to make you never fall for something like the uh, just cut peanut butter out of your diet diet. So please don't... uh, don't fall for somebody telling you you just have to cut out this one neat ingredient um, because it's. I promise you, it's a it's a tapestry, and it, and you should enjoy the whole tapestry. It's kind of like what you said with "Don't be afraid to be wrong," and we are wrong. And I think if you ask that question, could this person be wrong? And maybe try to look at the other side of the equation within with a lens that isn't tied to that bias that you have. You know, the um, confirmation bias. So if I'm really, really anti-peanut butter, I shouldn't be searching for things. 
why is peanut butter so bad? It should be looking at both sides of it and, you know, finding some people who have the credentials. And that's why I like to find and kind of attach on to a good scientist, but then also go to a few other ones. And it's not just one end all be all just authority to well, what's the appeal to authority, you know, have a, a, have a board, you know, have 10, 15, 20 people. And sometimes those ideas may not align, but at the end of the day, I think that humanity is more good than bad, and we need to continue yes, to absolutely. educate. And, just, and at the end of the day, as the hat says, you just got to keep showing up. <laughs> love it. I love I, it. And see. <laughs> Where can people find you? It's, y'all can find me either at SciBabe or at the SciBabe at pretty much every platform. The SciBabe on Twitter and, uh, sorry, X whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> and uh, Instagram and facebook.com slash scibabe is where my uh, weekday column, The Moment of Science, can be found where I'm writing about uh, everything uh, in batty that Australia has to offer, uh, occasional bits of nuclear fuckery. Uh, and right now I'm writing about Hubble because uh, I, I feel like I, I love JWST, but people it, people just aren't giving Hubble its due. Uh, so that's um, I've been having a lot of fun writing about things that aren't debunking because sometimes I think science needs, uh, we, don't, we don't just need to show up. Science needs a bit of a glow up. And I think hey, we, just need to ga- we just need to gas science up a little bit. So I'm trying to write about some science history. And that's been a, a, a joy the last few years has been going through and just writing about uh all the all the history fit to print in a science column love it well again thank you for your time today and we'll be seeing you soon because we're not too far from one another definitely i I just want you to come over and help me figure out how to use this entire home gym that i have that's all that's all i want (laughs) we'll do we'll do all right well thank you thank you all for showing up for today's podcast make sure to leave any comments and questions you have your favorite part of today's podcast We're going to be highlighting more questions at the end of the podcast like today. Someone asked from a Facebook group, hey, coaches, what is more effective, more reps, 4 by 12 to 15, or should I stick around 8 to 10? I also read that two reps until failure is effective. And remember, the answer as a trainer always depends, but there needs to be a follow-up. So what are the goals? How long have you been training for? Do you have any contraindications, any limitations, exercise that you enjoy, that you don't enjoy? So for this case example, we need more information. Start with the mechanisms of hypertrophy, which begin with tension, stress, and damage. Damage being the least important, tension being the most important. And then the king or hunk and hunkette of hypertrophy, volume, frequency, intensity. So if you wanted to put some size on, my first question would be, how long have you been training? Take me through one of the workouts. So as you have a typical bro, he wants to get a bigger chest. He's going to tell you he does bench press 3 by 10 incline dumbbells 3 by 10 you know, dips 3 by 10 and chest flies 3 by 10 That total volume would be 12 sets. I'm not taking you through the workouts, so the intensity I'm going to assume, because most people don't train that hard, I don't say it to them. I don't want them to feel bad. But just understand that most people don't train that hard. If you're an athlete, if you're an MMA fighter, a trainer, for the most part, we are more familiar with what intensity truly is. But general pop and our clients have no freaking clue. So out of those 12 sets, I would guess probably six, maybe five are decent. And they could definitely be pushed a little harder. So what I'd like to see is now how they train. So take them through that workout. I always make a joke with my clients. You're going to pay me a lot of money to show me how you work out. And I want to see your bench press. I want to see your inclines. I want to see your dips. I want to see your chest flies, the weight. And so then what I'm going to do is I'm going to play around with the tempo. So maybe we're going to slow it down a little bit on the back end, which would get more metabolic stress. 
On the front end, I'm going to go a little heavier, meaning bench press, let's get down to four or five reps. Let's do one set of a heavy eccentric. At the end, on the chest flies, maybe we do a superset, and you really slow down the eccentric, and then you even slow down the concentric. So your time under tension is going to be significantly more. I'm not just going to make a blanket statement and say, oh, do 15 sets per workout. That's all you need to do. Look at volume, look at frequency and intensity. For the most part, an easy suggestion would be just to train that muscle one more time. So if someone's hitting chest on Monday and they don't hit it again until the following Monday, just throw in a day on on Thursday and hit another day of chest. Maybe Monday it's more barbell-based and then on Thursday it's dumbbell. That would significantly help. If someone's training twice a week, then I want to look at the intensity. And then lastly, it's going to be total volume. So if they're training three times a week, but they're only doing three sets per workout, I might suggest doing five sets per workout. So we go from nine, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three sets, nine total. And then now you're doing five, which would be 15. So you've just increased that volume 20 to 30%. Typically, I don't like to increase the volume weekly more than 10 to 20%. Thank you, Yvette, for this awesome podcast. Make sure to give her a follow. Leave your comments below. We're going to start giving out more swag with our Show Up Fitness Athletics. We're also going to be giving more scholarships. If you want to become a qualified personal trainer in person, January 22nd, we still have scholarships left on the table. Come out to San Diego, Los Angeles for two months. You will learn more than any program out there, hands down guarantee. And you're also going to get your show up in this CPT. We will work with your budget. Most importantly, put this in your story, flex those biceps, smile, and keep showing up. <laughs>